Previously on the Civic Tech in Africa podcast. Today we travel to North Africa to speak to Yosa Juwini, who is an interdisciplinary researcher studying emerging technology and their social implications in the global south. Sometimes you may not experience those difficulties and you may, for instance, look at when you spoke about internet access, you look at what network is provided. But in some rural areas and in some regions, we noticed when we worked on documenting actually internet accessibility focused matters that we noticed for instance that sometimes it's the electricity to listen to this episode and more find the civic tech in africa podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts this podcast is brought to you by civic tech innovation network in partnership with voice of vits everybody and welcome to the Civic Tech in Africa podcast. Thank you for joining us again uh, for the final episode of the fourth season of our podcast. We've had some great conversations uh, this season and we're happy that you joined us for all of them. Uh, and if this is your first time, we hope that you enjoyed this one and uh, perhaps you can go back and, and listen to some of the, these great conversations that we've had this season. I want to thank all of you for your consistent support of the work that we do and we hope it adds value to you. If you've not done so already, please do subscribe and review the podcast and please see the episode description for all the places you can follow and engage with the Civic Tech Innovation Network. In today's episode, we'll be talking about something that's not necessarily new, but has been grabbing the headlines for a great part of this year. We'll be looking at how artificial intelligence can be used as a tool for good governance on the African continent. This season, we spoke briefly about initiatives that have used technology to keep governments accountable. And today, I want us to get into some specifics around how artificial intelligence can be useful as a tool for accountability and transparency in government. Today, we go to Nigeria and we speak to Abidin Olasupo, who's written an article that is titled Exploring Artificial Intelligent Technologies for Enhanced Deliberative Democracy. Uh, please check out today's episode description and, and, and show notes to learn more about all the places you can find this article and learn more. Abidin is a good governance advocate working at the intersection of using data and technology to activate the office of the citizen. Hi, Abidin. Hi. Good afternoon from Liberia. Yes, uh, good afternoon uh, from uh, South Africa, Johannesburg. Right, I, I am very interested in sort of the work that you're doing, but more specifically this article that you've written about sort of the influences of artificial intelligence, right, or the potential influences that artificial intelligence can have on governance in Nigeria and really uh, on the African continent. But before we begin, could you tell us a little bit more about sort of the work that you do as a Bedin, and then we can sort of delve into the article as we go along. All right. Thank you very much, Nat. And I'm excited to be joining you on this podcast today. As a young Nigerian, I've always been interested in issues around good governance, accountability, transparency, and elections. Uh, And I I was fortunate to uh, fund a non-profit organization called the Brain Builders Development Initiative in 2014. Our major goal is to charge the Nigerian citizen, especially those who are of age, those who are young person, activating the highest office in the land, which is the office of the citizen, using data and technologies to hold government accountable as well, 
and as well ensure transparency and accountability, not only in governance, but in our electoral processes. Over the last couple of years, we have had different initiatives, which was the White Vote Nigeria Initiative. The White Vote Nigeria Initiative is a tech-driven frame platform that aims to encourage more young Nigerians to get their permanent voters card, thereby giving them what I call like a passport to vote on the day of elections, because Nigeria is boasts full of over 50% of youthful population. So we are of the opinion that these young people should not you know, be excused from issues around governance. They should be at the table and they should be at the forefront of determining those who govern them. Not only why vote Nigeria as well, during the last elections in Nigeria this year, we launched what we call Fact Check Elections The Hog. The Fact Check Elections The Hog is the platform where we use to fact check news and information, disinformation, misinformation associated with the campaign. Because you know, politicians may want to leverage on the ignorance of the electorate or the citizens to turn out different fake news. So our team of fact checkers, which are 15 numbers and um, uh, majority are uh, uh, young people and women started fact-checking new story for the last one year. And I can confirm to you that up to date, we have fact-checked nothing less than a thousand stories. And uh, we launched a research document that has to do with fact-check as well. And um, during elections as well, we did a research and we noticed that the reason why young Nigerians are not interested in participating in politics could be associated with violence during the election. So we launched an election violence incident tracker platform, tag fvit.org, where we collaborate with traditional ruler and security agencies to nip in the bud in the various activities of the Udlum during elections. So if for anything, our organization has tested tech innovations and platform, and we have seen from research, from data that we have gathered, that when we use tech, when we use data, our challenges as a country, our challenges as a continent will really be solved. And we have always been advocating that tech is the new oil. So for every development agency, for every public institution, for every governmental or non-governmental agency or academic institution, putting technology and data at the intersection of what you are doing, we you know, leapfrog you and catapult you from point A to B to C to D. So as an organization, we have, tested, we have tested three tech innovations, the White Vote Niger, the Hog, the Fatcheck Elections, the Hog, the Evit.ng as well. And of course, they are all up and it was a bomb. We have been acknowledged by Al Jazeera, who are featured by CNN on the publication, and we have um, you know, granted interview both nationally and internationally, talking about you know, tech innovations. In short, our organization was the first organization to have what we call Civic Tech Hackathon in Nigeria. We had more than 30,000 applications, screened them to 100. We had them match with mentors. They had an hackathon for about two, two weeks. They pitched, and the finalists got 5,000 US dollars to build a solution we call the We App, which makes it possible for people living with disability to locate accessible polling units. So overall, we were part of those who contributed to deepening democracy, to deepening good governance, to deepening accountability, as far as election is concerned during the last general elections. Right. And, and I'm, so, I'm so so interested in sort of the work that you do. Please check out uh, today's show notes and the description to sort of learn about some of these things that IBDN is talking about. I imagine there'll be people who want to learn more about this and, and maybe collaborate with you. And I do encourage people to collaborate on these things. And you spoke a lot about, you know, uh, your work with elections in, in, in as far as elections is concerned. And I think most of this article is really related to that. And, and so this is where we begin. We begin with you talking about, so in this article we, we sort of referenced in the beginning, we, we begin with you talking about the democratic system in, in, in Nigeria and how, according to you, 
it hasn't really been uh, benefiting Nigerians or, the, or, the, or, or sort of the general population. Uh, because of, uh, of transparency and accountability issues, is this why you, you think the democratic system hasn't really worked for, for the people? Is, is it because of those main things, those accountability and transparency issues? Yes, democracy is all about inclusion. Right. Democracy is all about participation. Mm. Democracy is all about engagement. So if and have or a leg of these has been found to have a red flag, then of course that democracy cannot be justified. Mm. So that is why at any platform I always say we need to start democratizing democracy. What I mean by that is this. If we are saying we want to empower the highest office in the land, which is the office of the citizen, we want to empower people to determine who governs them. Then, of course, that process is mad with irregularity, like reaching, like snatching of ballot boxes, like, you know, um, malpractices, like, you know, vote buying. Then we can't say that that democracy is 100% perfect. Mm. I also want to put it forward that even in the Sena climb as well, their own democratic dispensation or their democracy have also had issues. So I'm not saying, of course, this is only peculiar to Nigeria or mm. this is peculiar to Africa. But I am of the opinion that from 1999 to date in Nigeria, we should have learned a whole lot. And of course, if we are introducing technology, for example, the Independent National Electoral Commission um, in Nigeria introduced technology to the continuous voters registration last year. I want to tell you, Naki, that that witness a whole lot of young people registering. Because mm. we need to start looking at changing methodology and our approach to governance and democracy in Africa. Right. A lot of young people were able to register because he made it easier for them to just log on to their portal and complete the first stage. That was why we had about over 10 million Nigerians, which constitutes more than 70% who are young people and students that registered. Years before, the registration process is not always like that. Because you have to go to the INEC office, you have to queue. Then if you're not able to register the first day, you go the second day. So by the third day, the person gets discouraged. So mm. INEC tested the litmus with that technology. Right. But another question that we are going to ask as well is, you know, I'm very sure you must have heard about the news of, you know, uh, Beaver's machine, transmission of results from polling units and irregularity that marred the election during our last general election. Unfortunately, mm. INEC came up to say they had issues with their portal or their server. While I quite agree, of course, we are just test running some of these, um, you know, technology. But there's a need for us to be extremely transparent to leverage on the potentials. For example, that civic tech hackathon that we did as an organization made us see that young people have the competence, they have the capacity, they have the character to deploy different innovative technological tools to help us salvage the challenges of democracy. So issues right. of transparency is there. And that's why, you know, a lot of people do not believe in the system and a lot of people do not believe in voting during the election. So there's a need for us to build confidence in the institution. And for us to build confidence in the institution as well, the institution needs to come with plain hand to open use of our book as well and be open to factoring in, you know, suggestions that could deepen our democratic dispensation. Right. I think you, you've spoken about sort of the benefits of now having a, a registration platform online instead of you know the the manual stuff that uh, most of i think the continent has and you've also spoken in the article about how political parties are more engaging now that they you know there's a sort of a lot more people who are online right a lot more there's a, there's a push uh, uh, as i understand 
for a lot of the you know elective uh, processes to happen online, we are seeing that politicians are also sort of um, engaging the people more on these platforms. Would you say that them now like sort of participating more on online platforms and being available is a benefit to the citizen? Thank you very much for that brilliant question, Nazi. You see, tech is the new hell and tech has come to stay. Right. Anywhere you go to now, everybody's talking about digital. If for anything, COVID-19 has exposed our eyes and let us realize that it is possible. We're having this conversation from Nigeria to South Africa because of technology. Mm. So... Politicians have also discovered that the e-platform, the electronic platform, the digital platform mm. is where they can get the attention of the owner of citizens. Well, I quite agree that, of course, if you want to be talking about the mantra of leaving no one behind, those as the grassroots community need to also be carried along because of our poor internet penetration in Africa and in this part of the world. But I want to confirm to you that the Nigerian election during the last time as well, a whole lot of politicians leverage on the digital media to do their campaign. And it's not because of anything, but because they know that once one person knows and the person retweets or reposted on Facebook or share on LinkedIn or reposted on Instagram or talked about it on TikTok as well, a whole numbers, a whole large numbers of their followers get to know. Politicians right. are now appointing senior special assistants on digital media. They are now appointing campaign manager on digital media. They are not doing this because they are foolish. They are mm-hmm. doing it because they see it as a platform through which they could communicate to the electorate. So digital media has come to play. But why that has come to play as well, the reason why we started for check elections was to you know, nip in the board in the various activities of those who peddle misinformation and disinformation during the election. So our own army of Facheka monitors social media posts to ensure that, you know, the information being churned out by the politicians and their faithful as well are genuine and could be checked and is a current data is in line with the narrative that they are um, uh, that, uh, they are trying to push. So, for a fact, the politicians are leveraging on it. And of only politicians, even business are leveraging on, on, on the digital to do communications, to communicate with their audience or their target customers as well. So, I'm not surprised that, you know, governments all over the world, not only in Africa as well, are leveraging on digital tools and digital communication platform to engage the citizen a reactions to any policy of the government. Right. And you know, the, the sort of the backbone of this article we talk about here today is artificial intelligence. And I'm very interested in, so how do we, so maybe let's start this conversation about artificial intelligence and how you think this would be beneficial. So we already touched a, a little bit on, on how technology as a general uh, tool uh, can be beneficial for the electorate, but also for uh, politicians themselves. I want to speak about you know artificial intelligence as a platform, right? And how you think it can be beneficial for the citizens, for the electorate, and, and for people who are interested in, in, in Nigerian politics in general or African politics, really. Thank you very much. I would like to say by, uh, start by saying, you know, considering the state of our democracy as a continent, I'm afraid that we cannot afford to lag behind in adopting innovation. So AI in government system will, you know, encourage much more demand for participatory and deliberative form of democracy. It will also help, you know, both the government and the government to do a whole lot. For example, at the corridor of my house, uh, at the corner of my room, 
I could track budgetary allocation of budgetary processes through tools like artificial intelligence. Right. For example, in my community, if government has allocated resources of maybe 5,000 US dollars to build a house, through tools like artificial intelligence, I, I might be able to you know, monitor that processes of the government to see if it has been completed. Not only that as well, there, there was a solution that we test run during the last general election with our election violence incident tracker. We gathered the data of, you know, all local governments and all states where violence has been happening from 1999 to date. So based on the available data we gathered, we are able to predict that there may be a likelihood of violence happening in some states. Right. If you lay your hand on our research that was launched a month to the election, you will notice that on the day of election, our prediction came to play. That prediction came to play because we were able to leverage on the data. Now imagine if we are not doing it manually, but we are using artificial intelligence to be able to, you know, predict what might happen. As a result of that, the security agency knows where they could troubleshoot for likelihood of violence happening during the election. Or for example, based on the antecedents of budgetary preparation or allocation to a particular sector, if maybe perhaps the allocation to that sector is about a million dollars, and for the last 20 years, they do not always spend more than $300,000. There's a probability that the next budgetary provisions that they will make, they might not be able to spend more than $500,000. That way, it will cut the expenses of the government as well, and the government will be able to budget appropriately for what exactly they want to budget for. Then issues of saying, oh, fine, we want to know a member of parliament, how their voting processes on, you know, a bill of the parliament looks like. Artificial intelligence comes to place and it could be used to do that as well. So even deeping conversation around transparency, accountability, and our elections as well. So it could be deployed to, you know, monitor elections as well, report cases of irregularities and get them nipped in the body immediately. While I quite agree that, you know, the deployment of artificial intelligence could be technical and its premise on data because that's the challenges we have as a continent, not only in Nigeria, but as a continent. The lack of adequate data is a major problem because, you know, mm -hmm. AI works on vetting data to make an informed decision. For example, right. if you are using ChatGPT now and you are not subscribed for the premium version, you might not be able to get the latest information that happened in 2023 or in 2022. Mm -hmm. So as far as I am concerned, as a young democratic activist in, in, in the continent, deploying artificial intelligence will solve the problem of, you know, um, um, governance, we solve the problem of act, um, um, accountability, we solve the problem of, you know, the institutional challenges, and we solve the problem of the citizen not trusting, you know, our corporate institutions. But of course, like I said, it, it doesn't really come without its challenges. So if you give me the go ahead, I will discuss some of the challenges that I, I have noticed could, um, you know, affect the deployment of artificial intelligence in the continent. Yeah, I think let's do that. Let's, let's talk about, I mean, because I, I know we've been talking about and i think everybody in in when they talk about artificial intelligence very quick to talk about sort of the beneficial parts of um artificial intelligence uh and sometimes you can ignore uh some concerns um that people should think about and i know that you've written about these and and and, and um, maybe let's let's start there what are some of these concerns um, that you, you, you've thought up that you know, might be you know, uh, problematic for some people? Thank you very much. One, the lack of um, you know, capacity for our institution. How many government agencies have been training themselves on machine learning, on data science, mm. on data analysis, on artificial intelligence as you speak now? Right. You can, you can decide that by looking at the budgetary 
provisions that the government has made? Have they made provisions for trainings or on artificial intelligence? Mm -hmm. It's always challenging that as Africa, we always want to do the catch up, which is quite um, embarrassing. And it's going to make us lag behind. So right. for us not to do catch up about some of these things, there's a need for us as a continent to invest heavily in R&D. What I mean by R&D is research and development. Right. What has helped me as an individual and what has helped our nonprofit organization is that we wouldn't just do intervention for support projects. We do need assessment, we do research, and we do intervention based on the data that we have gathered. So that way, we are able to measure impacts. So lack of capacity development is a major challenge. Secondly, inconsistent or lack of data. First, for example, if you are doing some research, a government institution will be conflicting with themselves. Mm. Like a government institution can give you data for X, Y, Z. Then another government institution will still give you that data. Then the data is not really complete. You know, it's always embarrassing. If anytime we want to gather data in Africa or in Nigeria, we are relying on international donor agency to come and do this for us. Mm. So it really means that we are not telling the Africa story the way it should be told. Right. Africa story is not all about poverty. Africa story is not all about, you know, um, number of out of school children or hunger. Africa has the capacity. We have the competency. We have different right. people who have, you know, the intellectual capacity to carry out research and development, who have the intellectual capacity to carry out data. So we need to start, you know, appealing to government across board, even at the level of the African Union, at the level of the ECOWAS, to start investing heavily in data gathering. Right. When we have enough data, the AI cannot be powered by, um, you know, Abidin Olasupo or or Nazi. The AI will be powered by data. It depends on it's it's the available data that they are able to explore. That is what the AI will give to us. So if we have poor data or inconsistent data, then of course the deployment of the artificial intelligence will be met by a gridlock, and of course we will not be able to achieve our goal. Right. Then the third one as well is the manipulation that could come with artificial intelligence. I know the way we are talking about the positivity, some are thinking about the negativity as well. Why this is not peculiar to Africa as well, some we might try to act into the system as well to have an influence on the kind of uh, you know information that AI will push out. And the owners lie on us as well, as well, that the way we are thinking about the positivity, we need to start training people on how you know they could build solutions that could guide against attack of the AI platform, that could also guide against, you know, people hacking into that platform, that could also guide against, you know, people um, uh, leveraging on that platform to churn out misinformation and disinformation. As far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned, these are the three major issues that I have discovered. Then the last one I will talk about is, you know, localizing AI. Now we start looking at the leaving no one behind mm -hmm. and getting to people at the grassroots community as well to see how AI affect their um, daily well-being as well. And if possible, train some of this local community in local languages on how conversations like this or how that tool of AI could be deployed. There could be an AI that will be in local languages. For example, it could be in Arabic, it could be in, in um, you know, um, most popular, um, it could be in Yoruba, it could be in English, it could be in Igbo, if it's Nigeria. It could be in different languages that are commonly spoken in the African continent as well. Right. So that, you know, the integration of leaving no one behind, you know, um, is going to be achieved uh, in the long run. Right. And and I'm very interested in, 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 in sort of the political will to sort of use artificial intelligence. And I, and I like the things you've said, uh, um, uh, especially about how we 
rely on other people to tell our stories. We are, I don't think we, we think about artificial intelligence and data, data gathering as a way to tell our stories, the bad stories and the good stories. And what we do is that we, we allow third parties to then tell our stories. And then at the end of the day, we're, we're never happy with sort of the stories that they, they come up with. And, but also there is the issue of, you know, data gathering being decentralized. Um, with many agencies, uh, and, and it's, it's funny because I, I was I was in some webinar where in the the conversation was around how governments have many many agencies that are involved in data gathering, and at the end of the day, what you're saying uh, is, is that there is a, a duplication of process, but there's also incomplete processes. Uh, because you know some other person has this data and that other and there's no, no one talking to each other about sort of the the data that we have so there's a lot of this that sort of t- tells me that there is a, a lack of intention uh, and a, a deliberative um, a sort of deployment of of, of resources um, in as far as technology and data gathering is, is concerned so I, I want to so give me give me an assessment of you know the, the sort of political will that you've seen in your government, but also on on the, on the African continent, um, the political will to employ technology as a storytelling uh, a sort of tool. Are you seeing that Nigeria is doing it, or the Nigerian government is doing this? Are you seeing other private or you know nonprofits uh, sort of using da- uh, sort of data gathering and technology as a storytelling and and and, and sort of other positive uh, instances that you're seeing this happen? Thank you very much for that, and I appreciate you. And I quite agree with you on the issues of you know um, on the duplication of data as far as um, you know data gathering is concerned. And you mm-hmm. know that brings me to the issue of data integrity as well. It's not just enough for us to gather data as well. We must be sure that the kind of data that we are gathering as well um, can stand the test of data integrity. And of course, data gathering, like you said, could be a platform for us to tell our story as a continent as well. Mm-hmm. Enough of you know we we we. We are uh, blaming ourselves or we abusing the, the, the West for doing this. Of course, as a continent, we have the capacity and less leverage on that. So that right. brings me back to the political will. As an organization, again, during COVID-19, we test run something that really worked. We launched an initiative called No COVID-19. It mm-hmm. is powered by data and infographics because we discovered that if we need to tell people about COVID-19, there's a need for us to look for creative ways to pass this message. And you know, mm-hmm. Africans will love story, not even only African. Humanity loves story. If, for example, instead of you to give people to read a 30-page document, you right. turn that 30-page document into an infographics or data that within two or three pages, they're able to know what exactly you want to do. Right. Or, for example, you use a name to tell a story of how an individual has been affected by some of these challenges. Sincerely, it will really work. Currently, right. again, we are part of pioneering and accountability um, package for the Nigerian we want. What exactly we are doing is to use storytelling. And mm. it has been resonating with people. People now engage with our content. Right. People talk about it because they see that we are using a name that they resonate. They see that we are using a scenario that they have been affected, that, um, you know, looks like what they have been affected by in their own local community. Mm. And I would give kudos to the uh, Nigerian government on that. They have been trying to see how AI could work, especially the NITDA, which is an agency of the government in Nigeria. Right. But a whole lot of things still need to be done. 
the civil society platform, um, civil society organization coalition needs to be carried along in the development space. Mm. And the African Union as well needs to look for ways to which there could be a policy framework for the implementation of this agenda. The mm. way we are doing the Agenda 2063, the way we are doing the African Free Continental Trade Agreement, then it should go in line with you know our policy to develop an artificial intelligence methodology and toolkit that will make it easier for you know implementation of you know some of these major um, 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 cog in the wheel of progress as far as the implementation of um, you know the artificial intelligence is concerned. Mm-hmm. Our politicians need to wake up from their slumber. They need to develop policy, and not, it's not just all about um, having a policy. It's all about the implementation because you have a whole lot of policy that is sitting, um, um, you know. Um, on the shelf in Africa that has not really been implemented. Right. Let's continue to match worded actions so that, you know, um, 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 the policy that um, we have developed will start the test of time, will be implemented, and um, we get done. Right. And, and, and I'm, so, I'm, I'm so happy that at least, um, you know, the government is um, using, um, sort of has that sort of political will. And there are instances where they are using technology uh, for for good, and I think it's also for their benefit. I think governments also need to think about you know these platforms uh, as benefiting them as well. And I think once we see them sort of adopt that um, that point of view, we we, we will see a, a lot of things being done quicker um, because I think they can see that okay, this benefits us as well. Um, very 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 interesting conversation we've had today. Uh, but any closing remarks that you have before we complete? Yes, I would like to sincerely appreciate what you are doing. And I feel, of course, there is also a need for us to invest in capacity development for non-profit organizations and for young activists across the African continent. Mm. So I enjoy different donor agencies to support what you are doing and to support what we are doing in Nigeria as well. For a fact, we are one of the few young non-governmental organizations using data and technology to see how we can deepen conversation as far as civic engagement is concerned. So this kind of initiative needs to be supported. And I also enjoy other practitioners in the field as well, not to wait for the donor agency. They should start with the little they could do to tell the story of Africa the right way. And I know Africa will continue to be good and Africa will continue to be a better place to live in and Africa will continue to be a great place and a great continent. But yeah. the owners lies on board to play our own part to make Africa great again. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I want to say that... Uh, um, Abidine is, is part of our network in uh, West Africa um, um, with um, together with the CC Hub uh, and other organizations there. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for making time and, and talking to us about such an important uh, topic um, in the zeitgeist, I suppose. Um, yeah, until next time, thank you so much, uh, Ola Supo. Uh, that concludes this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast and please see the episode description for all the places you can follow and engage with the Civic, Te- uh, Civic Tech Innovation Network. Until next time, goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vits.